having just returned, triumphantly defeating the bloodied orphan, Destira's aspect. The group, all except Rolandir, comes back to consciousness, broken, battered, burned, in the basement of their tavern. Bartholomew, Vamok, and Val, I believe, suffered major wounds? Correct. Yes. All right. Bartholomew, pick a number between one and four. Two. Your left arm is shattered. Val, pick a number between one and four. I'm going to roll a d4 because I like flavor of that. It's a four. Your right leg, specifically the femur, has been snapped in half. Vamok, pick a number between one and four. Four. Your right leg has been shattered, but not your femur. Your uh, your tibia and the other bone in there are just nice bits of glass inside your leg at this point. Okay, whatever. Add it onto the other, you know, heaping dumpster fire that it, this whole outcome is. <laughs> Vamok, surveying the damage, looking at everybody, looking at feeling the pain in his own shattered right leg, and... Seeing Val also, coincidentally, favoring his right leg, or his left leg, um, as his right seems to be broken. Mick, did you have a shtick? Nope. No, I'm I'm just about to ask about that. Death Ward. Death second. Ward. Yeah. Ah, Death Ward stopped it. Okay. Having surveyed the area and seeing what's going on, the mock makes his way over to Rolandier, who is unconscious, and he's going to use Spare the Dying to stabilize him. As this spell washes over Rolandir and he draws in another breath, you feel blood well up in your throat as you then begin coughing out blood due to the massive internal hemorrhaging, broken bones, punctured organs, and whatnot that has happened by this experience. Bartholomew stands up, uh, left arm hanging limply, and turns to Luna, and he just says... Could you help me with this? She's looking a bit flustered. She's like, with what? This arm that doesn't work. I need someone to stabilize that so I can try to take care of everyone else. Uh, if you do it now while I'm really up on this adrenaline, I actually won't feel it that much, so I prefer faster than later. I, I, I don't know. I've I'm never not tried. Kidding. I've got two seconds here. Come over here. I'll give you the stick. Hold it straight. Oh, okay. And Luna grips your arm, closing her eyes whispers something in Kinlish that you don't understand. And um, as she opens her eyes and you look at your left arm, she's like, oh, oh I I'm sorry. Your arm is now the length and about dexterity of the average human. Oh, wow. Uh-oh. So your, your arm is a few inches longer, a fair bit less hairy, and a bit less stocky. Okay. Bartholomew says, I really just wanted you to hold it still so I could splint it. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's, it's absolutely fine. In fact, I have often said I would love to be able to scratch my foot without bending down. And now I can. <laughs> and now I can. And so I have nothing but gratitude towards you. So if you'll accompany me, I think we want to heal them in a way that is a little less uh, tempestuous than you generally employ. If, if Luna? What? If you need to take a moment to calm down, that is all right. Well, you all just came in here like a... You exploded. We did, yeah. There was a wave of heat. Yeah, I gave him the idea. <laughs> Fire shield works every time. We are alive. There's nothing to be worked up about. You hear Brynir cough a little bit as he uh, is getting up from the floor. <coughs> Meek, are you awake? Uh, barely. 
Barely, my friend, but that reminds me. I promised you I would help you with your wounds, didn't I? Brynir makes his way to Mick to help him up. And then Mick, upon Brynir helping him up, goes, Thank you, my lad. Now, where were we? And casts Cure Wounds on Brynir. Okay. Cad, who is situated near the middle of the group, kind of stands shakily, looks it around at everyone, wipes uh, some dust and ash off of his robes. Says, well, that was um, eventful. I don't know if I'll be accompanying you on the next one. <laughs> and he looks over at Bartholomew and Luna, says an incantation in Kinlish, and then Bartholomew, your your arm is, is back to normal. Bartholomew looks at his newly restored arm and says, Darn, didn't you get to scratch my foot? Not even once. <laughs> well, that's what happens. You win some, you lose some. And he reaches down and he scratches his foot. What is Rolandia's state? Bad, I imagine. Bartholomew's going to go to him. He's going to go to him and he needs to stabilize him. He can create a new panacea, but he needs eight hours. Of- Vamox stabilized him, but... So I guess what I mean is... He needs eight hours of a long rest, so he needs him to be alive from this lethal wound for the next eight hours till he can make this. So he's going to try to make that happen with a medicine check if possible. If Rolandir goes the time of a long rest without having treated the lethal wound, he will die. Perhaps we could pull our intent again? Cad kind of comes over shaking his head and he's like, As you can obviously see, working intent on the human form, especially with something as intricate as medicine, is not always in the best mind. Then what do we do? Then we get him to a place where someone can treat him. They're in Bastion. There must be someone. I mean, we need to get him alive for the next 10 hours. I can fix him after that, but we need him alive for the next 10 hours. So I say we pack him up on our backs. Uh, Actually, you can't walk and you have a broken leg. Um, I don't think we should take him anywhere. Why don't we get a doctor here? Yeah, that's actually not a terrible idea. That's a, that's a really good idea. But Val, you got a cool head on you. All right, well, I can still walk. And uh, looks like Mickey over there can too. So I guess I'm going to Bastion. I'm just imagining Bartholomew like running up the stairs, running outside the inn, T-pose, and then float <laughs> off to Bastion. <laughs> Actually, no, 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 there's, there is something. There is, there is something. Let me, uh, let me look something up real quick. In that case, Bartholomew says, all right, uh, I think I'm the only one in any shape to do it. I'm going to Bastion and I'll bring back someone who might be able to help us out. Bartholomew takes off his pack and he starts digging through it and he has a vial and he's just stuffing more and more into this vial and really mixing it really quickly, really quickly. And he's going to cast this at a level, as a level six spell, which means he gets 50 more feet per movement action, plus the 30 feet he already has, which means it's 80 feet, which means running, he goes 160 feet every six seconds. I don't actually know how fast that is. That might not be very fast at all, but it sounds fast. That seems really fast. uh, He chugs that and he gets kind of jittery. And he starts booking it before even thinking of changing. <laughs> As he leaves, Val will just, like, second thoughts zap him with seeming. Okay. <laughs> it looks much better than his previous disguise. I should hope so. <laughs> his low poly backpack straps <laughs> somewhere around the middle of his so chest. Weird. The hand that doesn't meet the hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Kay. it. What's going on beneath the tavern? Mick, do you have any healing for broken limbs? Um, perhaps. Ryan, can I ask you a question? Uh, for greater restoration, I know that it says that you can leave an effect that has something on HP. Can that count as a injury? You can downgrade Val's major wound to a minor wound with that. Awesome. So I just said, yes, I do have something. And then Mick 
cast Greater Restoration on Val. And it's your arm or is it your leg? It's your leg. It's my leg. It's my femur. Okay. It's your leg. So gently holds your leg and begins casting Greater Restoration. You feel the bone knit back together in quite a painful procedure. You still have a minor wound, which is going to be you will move at half speed because your leg is still healing. Okay. Would that do anything to the minor wound I currently have? Because I'll probably be unconscious from bleeding <laughs> in about two seconds. That, that bleeding will also be nullified Okay. by cool. greater restoration. I am barely conscious. Brynir goes over to Rolandir and tries to get him into a position where he's not going to be choking on his blood. All right, you turn him on his side? Yep. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> As big gloops of blood just fall out of his mouth and splat on the ground. That's not good. Do you guys want to know how fast Bartholomew is running? It's 18 miles an hour. Jeez. Ooh. For perspective, the fastest a woman has ever run is 21 miles an hour, and the fastest a man has ever run is 27, sprinting Usain Bolt, purportedly. Though this, the thing that says the woman actually says 23, so maybe my Usain Bolt fact is off. I'll calculate your dwarven height into it, and you're probably matching Mr. Bolt. Probably. <laughs> I mean, he's got some tiny legs. We dwarves are natural sprinters. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Cad mentioned something about Rolandir, and he's like, oh, I don't know if we should pool our intent together. So here's a question. Would something like Greater Restoration work on Rolandir? Not for a lethal wound. Okay, dang it. Okay. Well, Mick, seeing that not much could be done for Rolandir, looks over to Vermach and says, Oh, Vermach. You're not usually one to complain, so I barely even notice that your leg is hurting. Maybe I can help you with that. And then Mick casts uh, Greater Restoration on it, reaches forward and touches his thigh. You, the same thing that happened to Val happens to Vamok as you feel these shards in your calf uh, slice through the inner muscle of your leg as the bone knits itself back together, these pieces rejoining each other, and then that flesh sealing up as well, which will be replaced then by a minor wound of you will have half speed cool. until this leg is you know, fully healed, which will just take time. Okay. Seems to me there is nothing else we can do but wait. Seems to me you're correct. That's a 3.3 minute mile. <laughs> Still caught on this. All right, then it takes you 24 minutes to get to Bastion. All right, so still in the uh, basement? I feel like people aren't really going to be like hopping around, you know, after this one. They're not going to be like, yeah, let's head upstairs for some drinks. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of like a, I'm good sitting on the floor. You know. Yeah. You want to know why they're not? Because we lost Lerotz. Yeah, but we didn't lose his love. Lerotz love's always there for us. Lerotz <sighs> love. All right. Well, I guess as everyone is kind of staying in the basement, uh, taking a breather, you know, taking ten. Vimak, who had been kind of lost in thought, um, feeling a, a bit better now that his leg is no longer jelly. He snaps back to reality, and he says, That blade, Imin, yes, that is what it is called? Yes. You have told me that it is effective against aspects. Some of them. Are there more of them? Are there other such objects in the world? Things that are good at killing aspects? Because 
Quite frankly, as I see it, we are barely fit to take on an aspect of Evelor, which, as I understand, is the lowest of the godly beings of this world. So, if we are barely surviving at this point, unless we receive great aid in the form of increased knowledge and use of intent, as well as items that have been dedicated to do much more damage than we could ever hope to. Unless we increase our own power, we stand no chance of even scratching a reality, much less an ethereal. I think you are right. However, if there are weapons of this caliber, I do not know them. Kadagas, you seem very well versed in things of this matter. Is there anything you can think of that could aid us in our journey? I am well versed in things of intent. Items and such enchanted things. Only one item comes to mind when, of course, thoughts go to killing gods. But uh, uh, it is not worth mentioning. I doubt its very existence. As it stands, something that may or may not even exist has a higher chance of success than where we currently are. Even if we were to learn more intent, it would still not be enough. What is this item you speak of? Tell me then, have you heard tell of the Heart of the Void? I have heard of such an artifact, but you were not lying when you said its existence is deeply in question. I know a little of the elves and their story, but to be honest, the particulars escape me. Well, history is scant when it comes to knowledge of elves, but from what scholars have gathered over the many years and decades that we've been able to study them, the heart of the void is what created the elves. They were our ancestors, and by our, I mean the kin. And he gestures to himself and Val, and then kind of cocking his head, he's like, and I guess now... Yourself as well. All kin, elfkin, elvoret, mazkin, stem from a common ancestor known as the altkin. This race died out tens of thousands of years ago. But before them were the elves. Our creators, uh, some purport, though I'm skeptical about that point. Regardless of how they're connected to us, these elves warred with one another. And it was the detonation of this artifact, known as the Heart of the Void, that caused them to enter their current state. These beings of twisted consciousness and power. Primal. Unknowing. Uncaring. Purely destructive things. The elves warred, supposedly, because the ethereals turned them against each other. Because known to them, but not the elves at the time, but that this artifact had more power in it than anything that had yet been on Egadon. Whether it could kill a god, <laughs> who knows? But I think the fact that it frightened them is uh, answer enough for me. Is it possible to wield such an artifact? I couldn't say. As I stated, whether it truly exists is another matter entirely. There isn't a being alive or that's seen or heard of it, and... That may not be entirely true. 
In my time with Lady Quenberg, we were searching for something. A tomb. Inside this tomb, we believed there was one who could tell us of an artifact. I do not know if it was the same Heart of the Void that you speak of, but I do know that this artifact was of elven creation. However, finding the tomb is hard enough. Additionally, the one who holds the key to opening this tomb is Vale himself, and I doubt he will part with it easily. Strange. I'm quite sure that you speak of the tomb of the son of Assyrio, which then is the... As myth purports again, Vasirio was the leader of one of these elven factions, the ones who held the Heart of the Void. He sent his son and his closest circle of companions away before he detonated, one might say, the core of a great magical fortress that he had built. Doing this, unleashing that power, is what destroyed the elves and the face of Egadon at the time. His son and these last members of their race, they held this artifact, which was then a fraction of the power. Think of it as a a torch, or, or a candle, if you will. And that, in an instant, this wick burned down to its very end. That bit is the heart of the void, and that which burned is what killed Agadon. So it stands to reason, then, that an object so powerful could indeed... Kill a god. It wiped this planet of nearly all life, so I don't see why not. Uh, of course, that's what the stories say. And no one race that is alive today was alive at that time. Well then, I do not speak for this group, but I do suggest that we should make the acquisition of this artifact our primary goal. Simply put, without something of mythic proportions... It would be impossible for us to take on our enemy. That still leaves us with the problem of being powerful enough to get the key from Vale. As it stands, his power should be weakened, as we have disposed of many of the aspects. That, uh, is a false belief, for starters. Vale may lead the Valors in ideology and name, but he himself is not a Valor, and thus any diminishment of their own power or status has no effect on him as a reality. Then it would seem that either Quinberg was deceived by Vale, which is quite likely, or that she had deceived me, which could also be quite likely. In any event, Vale is still the one who holds the key to this tomb, and we will need more power in order to take him on. Or we must strike a deal with him, which would come at a great cost to us. Kadagas, is there a way to amplify intent? Could we perhaps create our own weapons, our own tools, specifically designed to combat a reality? I mean, by its very nature... Anything is possible with intent, though the focusing of your mental acuity and your own passions is something that is much easier said than done. There are, of course, places 
that exist. And he gestures to this, you know, large room with these pillars and these arches and the many runic inscriptions upon them, this summoning circle that you're standing in, such as this, that serve to be a, a focus for such incantations and magics, as a base fellow may call them. However, such a thing, opposing an ethereal, is almost going against the grain of Egadon itself. So you would be unable to draw, I imagine, from Egadon, and therefore would be forced to draw upon your own essence. And do you say this is true for both realities and ethereals, or only the ethereals? I've never attempted such a thing, <laughs> and uh, nor have I ever been in a position to uh, oppose them before. Very well. Then we shall simply have to attempt it. I see no other way. And unless someone else among us has a better idea of how to obtain this key from Vale, so that perhaps we may obtain an artifact great enough to kill air. Well, we've struck a bargain with Vale before, each of us, right? Perhaps we could strike a bargain with him again. I think he fancies me enough. We could do it. What do you say? I think perhaps striking a deal is a uh, better and safer, not exactly the words I want to use, but perhaps wiser idea at this moment in time. If we can get the means to kill him before our deal is up, then we can kill him before the deal is up. Luna, stepping forward at this time, says, I wasn't present when you first encountered Vale, but I heard you tell of it, and if I understand correctly, at least then you were on somewhat equal ground. To put it simply, he holds all the cards now. We have nothing to bargain with. Whatever terms he sets, you'd have to accept. I think perhaps we should uh, wait to make a decision at the very least until we are not, you know, dying on the floor. Good idea. Perhaps we should all take a rest. Uh, well, wait here until Barty gets back, of course. And then take a rest and talk about it on the morning? You do hear a kind of distant muffled knock. Heavy wooden sound reverberating throughout the parlor above you. I'll get it. I need a drink anyway. And he goes upstairs to go answer the door. As you open the door, you see a collection of individuals. About two dozen. The one standing before you is in black vestments. A heavy black and purple robe draped over his back. The symbol of a thorny red rose emblazoned on his chest. He has sparkling green eyes and slicked back black oily hair. And as he looks up at you with a devilish grin, he says, Ah, I don't believe we've met before. My compatriots here and I could use some rooms for the night if you would be so kind as to accommodate us. And you are? My name is Magister Morden of the Twelfth Rose. Unfortunately, we're closed for the day. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but you're you're not. You see, we need to enter regardless. It's a personal matter. What's the matter? Quite a bit, in fact. You see, you're lickish, aren't you? Yes, you have eyes. I'm glad you could figure out that one. Yes, yes, I... Your people are not too in-tuned with the Church of the Ten Truths and the customs and such that we have here, and dare I say, civilized lands. So, it may strike you to know that the usage of intent is strictly forbidden, except by those authorized by the church and its departments. 
that being my own. Mm. We've detected a large anomaly emanating from this very spot quite frequently and quite recently as well. If you wouldn't mind stepping aside, I actually do have an order from the ruling council of Bastion, and he holds up a paper which, you know, is just, who knows what's on it. There's some seal in wax at the bottom, which does allow us to enter the premises without your express permission. Though, (laughs) I'll be honest with you, I was uh, never a fan of these in the first place, so are you going to cause a row? Well, I don't know what to tell you. I haven't been using intents. I'm, what you could say, intentless. Oh, you're much more than that, I I know for certain. Now, if you just step aside... Brynir puts out his hand, uh, and he's just, I don't think that's wise. My dear boy, if you touch me in the slightest, you won't get back that hand. Brynir's going for his vice. He's going to be overconfident. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. And Brynir goes at him. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> no, Brynir's going to take his hand and try to slam his face into the ground. Like backwards. Oh, so like push his face? Yeah, forward? like grab his face and then throw him Dang. to the ground. I'm just rolling in tent for Morden here. It's not a critical success, but it's uh, it's pretty darn close. So he speaks the truth. As you put your hand on him, your hand just like goes through, like it continues on as if Morden weren't there. But not that your hand is phasing through him. It's that your skin and bone and muscle just disintegrates to tiny particles as it comes in contact with this man before you. Mm. And it's just as far as you reached, so probably just past your wrist, I imagine. Sure. And then this, you know, jet of blood erupts from your open arm and would smack Morden in the face if some translucent wall didn't stop it, to where it bubbles and hisses in the air and then disappears. And he just smiles even wider and says, I did promise you. At the sight of this, Brynir actually he goes for his warhammer and has it ready. As he's kind of like putting his hand to his uh, his shirt to kind of stop the bleeding. Must we honestly do this now? I just need to ask a few questions to those who I'm sure you're harboring here. Everybody's still chilling downstairs. I was really hoping somebody would come up at this point. We have no idea what's going on. Why would we come upstairs? Vamox just like, I gotta take a piss. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, wait. I got it. I got it. Vamok, because he's blind, has a heightened sense of hearing, Mm. and he's eavesdropping on the whole thing. Also, this might be a time that your uh, bowels slash vomits start backing up. Oh, Oh, yes, it absolutely is. As Brynir clutches his you know, shattered wrist arm to his chest and then pulls out his warhammer from behind him, readying to say something snarky and offensive. You feel this this sensation in your throat as if the entire contents of your stomach from the past week were suddenly being thrust upwards and downwards at the same time. I throw up on Morden. (laughs) All right. Um, as you vomit on Morden, it again impacts this translucent veil that seems to be covering him. Parts of it do spatter past him and onto other magisters that kind of shirk. But whatever impacted Morden sizzles on this barrier. And let me roll the die here for effect. Uh, yes, you also crap your pants. <laughs> Morden looks 
absolutely appalled, and he does take a few steps back, and he's just like, what in Vale's name is wrong with you? Did you just shit yourself? Yes. Sorry, I just don't deal well with ignorant pricks. And um, then from the 28 damage you sustain from losing your hand, do you fall unconscious? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, ignorant pricks. What a show Morden has been treated to today. All right. Okie dokie. Um, Vamak had been watching this whole thing from down below because he had cast arcane eye and was kind of you know his his invisible eye was creeping from the stairway looking and seeing what was going on and he knows it's not good and he's been kind of relaying a lot of this information so everybody downstairs should be aware that this mofo magister morden is upstairs and he says to everybody he's like this is not good we cannot be down here if he finds us it could be catastrophic for us in our current condition. I have a solution, but it would require leaving Brynir as well as Bartholomew behind. And what of Rolandir? That would be troublesome, yes. If Rolandir were to stay behind, if Bartholomew returns, then we are not here. If he did in fact fetch a doctor or a surgeon or the like, then he would not be lying to the magisters if he stated his intent to simply apply medical aid. I believe that Dorelandir, uh, along with Brynir and Bartholomew, will be fine. I believe the rest of us, however, especially those not of human descent, should make our exit now. And uh, Vamak traces a couple of signs in the air, and a shadowy door appears on one of the walls nearby. Please, if we all enter now, we should have enough time. We will be gone, out of sight, not even on this plane, and we should be safe for a while. And Vamak goes to the door, and he opens it up, and it's just a plain wooden room, 30 feet by 30 feet. It is the best chance of survival for all of us, if those of us who wield the most intent, and especially Luna, the godless, are not around. I'm afraid I agree. Seems we have no other choice. Very well. And with that, Vamak ushers everybody into the simple wooden room. He himself going in last. He shuts the door behind him, leaving everyone trapped in this room. Morden does cock his head at the sound of some distant echoing thump. But before he investigates further inside the inn, he hears a friendly southern drawl behind him, greeting the magisters as Bartholomew and the doctor return from Bastion. Well, I'll be. Customers. 